0: Welcome to Worship with Dawson Memorial Baptist Church. At Dawson, we seek to be found faithful as God's people as we become and help others become faithful servants of Jesus Christ. Now join us as we worship God through the teaching of His Word in today's message. Church, as we continue to worship this morning, would you take your copy of God's Word, turn with me to the book of Hebrews, specifically Hebrews chapter 12, We'll be focusing upon verses 14 through 15. We'll reference and come back to the rest of Hebrews chapter 12. So hold that open. Hebrews chapter twelve. If you're new to Dawson, we are in a kind of an exceptional series. We are our, our bread and butter here at Dawson is just a walkthrough books of the Bible, extended sections of scripture. Uh, we have done something a little different in the sense that we've taken this topic of forgiveness and over the course of these last three weeks, concluding this week, we've opened up God's Word and asked how God leads us and guides us and informs us around this topic of forgiveness. Three weeks ago, we started this series being reminded that the foundation of any human conversation about forgiveness starts with the the theological truth that God is the forgiver. So all the human efforts that we have in receiving and extending forgiveness, it must start, it must be grounded in the solid truth of, of what we have received in Christ, What we've received in God, who is the ultimate forgiver. So then we asked the second question uh, that was, uh, or the next week we asked the, the, the question, who am I called to forgive? The week after that, we just practically looked into God's word. How can I take steps to forgive? This morning, I want us to just say, what happens when we find ourselves stuck? What happens when we find ourselves in a place that we cannot seem to, to make forward progress in the subject of forgiveness? What, what do we do then? Uh, last week, I introduced this image of a drawer, sort of a kitchen drawer. Think in your house where where you're storing away things off the counters really quickly. So you've got some some post-it notes that you're throwing in there real quickly. you got old receipts that you're putting in that drawer real quickly here. You've got old cell phone chargers. You've got... Old uh, electronic gadgets here. You don't even know when you bought this, what Christmas, what birthday, but there it is in there. You've got old batteries that are in there, loose change that is in there. Well, rarely do we just want to open those up and go through it. We got a million things that we would rather do with our times than to sort through those drawers of our soul. It's interesting how many people have those kinds of drawers. You know, the drawers in your kitchen. I, I got a lot of text messages this week with pe- people's pictures of their kitchen drawers with the caption, thanks a lot, preacher. I'm having to go through this now. <laughs> hey, I, I'm, not, I'm not all that interested at all in your study drawers or your kitchen drawers, but I am interested as the word of God is in those one or two drawers that you have in your soul that you've hidden away brokenness. You've got to store away grudges. You nurse wounds and shut them in there thinking no big deal here. You've got bitterness and unforgiveness that you just kind of piled into this drawer and you've slammed it shut saying as long as I keep this drawer shut no big deal, right? As long as I shut this off and kind of lock it away it's not harming me, and it's not harming anyone else. And then the Word of God speaks real clearly to those drawers that we think we can just shut away. No harm, no foul. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 reads, Strive for peace with everyone, for holiness without which no one will see the Lord. See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God, That know, and see this in quote, root of bitterness springs up and causes trouble, and by it many become defiled. The context of Hebrews chapter 12 is this chapter of exhortation that comes on the heels of one of the more famous chapters in all the book of Hebrews. It's a hinge chapter. It's the great hall of faith. We're going down this litany, this lineup of Old Testament saints that have lived lives of faithfulness. They've depended upon the faithfulness of God and they've exhibited faithfulness. And it's sort of this crowd that is cheering us on to our own pursuit of God and our own pursuit of faithfulness as the Spirit of God leads us. We come to the the greatest of those that we look to, and it's not an Old Testament saint, but it is Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. It is the author and perfecter of our faith, Jesus And as we fix our focus upon Christ, there are real practical commands that we are called to live out, and we see one of those in Hebrews chapter 12. As followers of Christ, we are called to show a distinction in the way we live by the way we treat one another, that we we are called to pursue peace with others, That that our relationships are marked by the gospel. And one of the ways that, that we live holy lives, which just simply means set apart lives, they're distinct lives, is that we pursue peace with one another and we're ultimately becoming walking billboards showing the grace of God in us and the grace of God through us that makes a distinction in our lives here. So we don't walk around holier than that. We don't walk around with these self-professed halos over us saying, look at me, look at me, look at me. No, the work of the gospel in us makes a practical effect in our lives as we pursue peace with others. Verse 15 is a call to watch. The writer of Hebrews says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. It's a very curious phrase here. What does it mean to fail to obtain the grace of God? It's important for us to read this in the context of how the grace is spoken of In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, you have a passage like Hebrews chapter 4, verse 16. It should be for our minds here. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. If you're a follower of Christ, you need to be reminded that there's always more grace for you, the believer. That grace is the loving care of God for his children There's no need that outpaces his grace. There's no need that outstrips his grace. There's no need that you're going to have today, nor a need that you will have tomorrow that will not have the inexhaustible grace of God before you. Now, we can fail to live in light of that grace. I think this is what the writer of Hebrews is talking about. We can fail to live in light of the fuel for the journey that God has called us to. We can grieve the spirit of God. We can grieve the Spirit of God with unconfessed sin in our life. We can grieve the Spirit of God by being hearers of the Word, but never heeding the Word. We are hearers of the Word, but we're not doers of the Word. We can grieve the Spirit of God by being people that neglect the Word of God in our life. We neglect the community of believers in our life. And there are certain ways that we can begin to see the fruit. It is a poison fruit of a life that is lived not in light of the grace of God. And one of the ways is that a root of bitterness springs up. Now, that's in quotes. It's in quotes in the English Standard Version. That's what I'm preaching from. That's our pew Bibles that are in front of you. It's what you saw on the screen there. It's in quotes to draw us back. Hey, this has come up before. This is drawing upon a story in the book of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy chapter 29 to be exact, where the Israelites turned from God and they embraced idolatry. They're pursuing other gods. And there is a harmful contagion that occurs when they do this. Now, when we live lives that are not submitted to the will of God, and we live lives that are not lived in light of his grace, you notice know something? There is, there is also a, a root of bitterness that, that is, is springs up in our life. And Notice that the writer of Hebrews says that a bitter and resentful person is also a contagious person, that it spreads, that resentment can spread to others, it springs up and it causes trouble, it springs up and many can become defiled. It is just a simple reminder that there is a cost to bitterness in your life and in my life, that there's a cost to unforgiveness in your life. Notice again, the writer says it causes trouble and it defiles many. That our anger, the drawer of frustrations, the drawer of our disappointments, and the drawer of unforgiveness, that when we shut that away, it actually has an effect on you, follower of Christ. But it's not just you solely. It it also has an effect on others that are around you. Now, there are many people that are skeptical of this. And if you're skeptical of this, you've got, you got a lot of people that would be in your cheering section right along with you in 2023. Forgiveness is seen in this kind of cultural moment at best as old-fashioned, kind of a relic of olden days. At worst, forgiveness is seen as, as something that is weaponized and is a tool of oppression, for others. Tim Keller's got a great book on forgiveness, came out about a year or so ago. He tells a story. This university professor of psychology is brought on to another university to do some training for some counseling professors on the subject of forgiveness. One of the administrators finds out about the topic that he's doing and he completely shuts it down. And in Keller's words, quoting that administrator, forgiveness, question mark, forgiveness, it victimizes when people are treated cruelly by others and you come along and you tell them they must forgive, you've introduced a new hurt into an already hurting heart. Now listen, this is just one example. And we shouldn't take from this example that this is, this is emblematic of every university and every university administrator. We should take it for what it is. But what we cannot deny is that you can live with a drawer full of bitterness. You can live with a drawer full of resentment and be applauded by many. Oh, that's justified. That's normal. And we do need to be careful. I think one of the, one of the problems that we have here is, is that when we talk about forgiveness in the wrong ways, it can wound And when we talk about forgiveness in these cavalier and casual ways, it can lead us to unrealistic expectations. It can lead us away from the Word of God, and it can lead us away from the wisdom of life. And so if you've been here at Dawson these last couple weeks, I've spent a lot of time trying to articulate what forgiveness isn't. Forgiveness isn't acceptance. Forgiveness isn't uh, just excusing. Forgiveness isn't forgetting. Forgiveness isn't always leading to a restoration of a relationship. Forgiveness doesn't always, and sometimes it never means a restoration of trust with a person. It is a moment in time that you make a decision, but it is also forgiveness is a process over time. And so when we throw out forgiveness, this real casually, and we throw it out in this cavalier way, and we don't really get into the nitty-gritty of some of the difficulties of this, yes, it can lead people down wrong roads. But even with that said here, we as followers of Christ have received forgiveness in him And so when we choose to live in bitterness, when we choose to live in resentment, we just need to heed the word that says it causes trouble. It defiles many. I I, I know forgiveness is costly. It is costly for anyone who travels down this road, but you know what costs more? Bitterness. You know what costs more is living a life embroiled in unforgiveness. Bitterness is a thief. It really is a cruel thief. It's a thief that will rob you of joy in the moment, and it will rob you of peace in the moments ahead. It'll rob you of joy today, and it will rob you of peace tomorrow. It's a cruel thief. I don't know, I've seen it uh, attributed to many people, but you've heard sort of this kind of cliche quote. I think it's true. Bitterness is like drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. And if any of us in this room know what it is to kind of stow away our bitterness, we know that hey, there's some truth to that. Over this last couple of weeks, I've gotten all kinds of emails and real helpful things about forgiveness and book recommendations and Uh, Many of you uh, have read studies and are familiar with studies on the physical effects of bitterness and unforgiveness in a person's life. And of course, there have been a lot of studies where researchers are trying to draw a correlation between uh, storing away bitterness and storing away forgiveness or unforgiveness in our lives. And what that does to us over the long term, and there have been all kinds of studies that are trying to connect uh, bitterness and resentment to increased heart rate and blood pressure, increased tension in one's life, blood glucose levels, metabolism, uh, even our immune response. But if it's okay with you, I'm just going to sort of stay in my lane. Uh, I, 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 I don't think it's helpful. I mean, the worst thing that I could possibly do this morning is for you to leave here thinking, hey, you know something? Uh, if I want to lose 15 pounds, I need to go on the forgiveness diet. I mean, that, that, that's not helpful, is it? I'm not a researcher, I'm not a physician. I'm not gonna to pretend to be one. I can't substantiate these kinds of studies. I don't, I don't know enough about that to be able to say, you know, what was the, what was the sample size of this? And, but, but there does seem to be physical harms that can occur to us when we harbor resentment and we can harbor bitterness. And I don't have to bring to you these hosts of studies because the truth of the matter is I've walked this in my own life. Now, I'm, not, I'm not an expert on all those studies, but I tell you who I'm an expert on, it's me, myself, and I. And I can stand before you as your pastor, but i also stand before you first and foremost as a fellow pilgrim on the same calling and journey that you are called to. And I can tell you that when we store away bitterness and unforgiveness in our life, it does do something to us. And it does cause troubles, writer Hebrews says, and it does defile many. It was a decade ago, a decade ago, when God really caught my attention on this very subject. And he really showed me that the drawers that I had shut with some bitterness in my life and unforgiveness in my life, and I thought to myself, if I just shut this hard enough and kind of lock it away and sort of try to achieve my way out of my past and maybe even try to ignore it, it would just go away. But what I realized was, as I was stuck what I realized was, as I wasn't moving forward, and what I realized was is this unforgiveness and bitterness in my life, it was robbing me of the joy of what it meant for God to call me as a follower of Christ, and it was robbing me of opportunities even as I was parenting my three boys, and it was robbing me of the joy of what it meant to be called a husband to my bride, Daniel. It was a thief. It was causing trouble. What I realized by the grace of God was, is that, that I, I would pass these attitudes down to my boys particularly. That they could feel this and sense this. But I found myself in a place where I wasn't moving forward. I found myself in a place where I was stuck on this subject here. And it took it took wise, biblical counsel in my life. And that supremely came through a wonderful, godly Christian counselor who I was able to sit down with over months, who through his grace, God's grace, Enabled me to enabled me to open up that drawer and to be able to look at it and to see what it was with with new eyes and to be able to hear uh things that that maybe I, I couldn't hear in my own voice here. And so I needed someone else to help me walk that journey. Now, I would be lying to you if I stood before you as your pastor and said, Hey, I've graduated from the bitterness class here. I've got a PhD in forgiveness. They don't, they don't, they don't award PhDs in this, do they? I am still on this journey, but I can stand before you and say I'm further along in this journey than where I was 10 years ago. And for that, I am grateful. And I tell you that to say it is worth the journey. It's worth the journey. And if that journey begins today with you just devoting yourself to specific prayer, for God's grace and courage to open that drawer of resentment and for unforgiveness and bitterness. It's worth it. If it's God leading you today to say, hey, you need to do some examination of this, maybe a helpful book would be good. R.T. Kendall's book, Total Forgiveness, has been helpful for me. Keller's newest book, for Forgiveness, has been really good. It's academic at times, really pastoral at other times. It's helpful. Lisa Turkhurst, She's written a book that many people have recommended to me over the course of these last four weeks. It's called Forgiving What You Can't Forget. I wasn't aware of this book until about four weeks ago. Being able to look at a couple of parts in it that have been very, very helpful to me. There are wonderful guides that are followers of Christ that are a little bit further, and we need to learn from those women and we need to learn from those men. It very well may be that some of you need to take that next step to, uh, to reach out to a godly friend and say, hey, can we grab coffee? Can we sit down? And maybe just talking it out with someone and for you to hear what you need to know, you're not alone. There's nothing rare about this. The journey is specific and the journey is unique, but that friend probably has their own shoes that they've worn on the trail of forgiveness. Maybe some of you need to be at that place where you're reaching out to a godly Christian psychologist, a godly Christian counselor, and I praise God that we live in a place like the Birmingham metro area that have so many women and men that are helpful in that way. It it is uh, riches of resources that we can thank God for. But I wanna call you to see it for what it is this morning. There is a cost of bitterness. Does it cost you to take steps forward to pursue forgiveness in your life? The answer is yes, it costs. Is it hard soul work? The answer is yes, but there is a greater cost. And that greater cost is allowing bitterness and allowing unforgiveness just to hang out. In the drawer of your soul, it causes trouble. It defiles many. And finally this morning, I want us to see not just the cost of bitterness. We, 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 would, we would really be misled if that's where we ended this morning. But we don't end there. We end with the path of forgiveness. And we need to be reminded this morning of the forgiveness that we've received in Christ. What gets the first word and the last word of any pursuit of forgiveness has to be God the forgiver. And the writer of Hebrews sets up this very passage of Scripture in this very way. In Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and following, he says, Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured from sinners such hostility against himself, so that you may not grow weary or faint hearted we must consistently be reminded of the cost of forgiveness in our own lives. And we do this by fixing our focus upon Jesus. And we are prone, I mean, every one of us who are followers, believers, followers of Christ, believers in him, we're prone to lose sight of the debt that we've been forgiven of. We, we, we fail consistently to relish and to remember that though forgiveness is free to all of us, it comes at this incalculable cost, the death of the perfect Son of God. And so we fix our focus upon the one who has absorbed the cost. God the Father doesn't ignore our sin. He doesn't just you know, sweep it under the rug and say, nothing to see here, let's move on here. No, our, our cost, our debt has been paid in full. And so when we're hesitant to forgive, when we're hesitant to open that drawer to move forward in this pursuit of forgiveness here, uh, the first step, my friends, is not for you just to get your act together. The first step is not for you just to be a better person. The first step is not for you to feel this sort of shame and guilt that propels you forward. You're propelled by His grace. This is the fuel for the journey that God has called us to. So the word isn't, hey, grit your teeth, suck it up and move forward here. It is to go back to Jesus. That's the first word. That's the last word. This is the fuel for our journey. So we see from his head. We see from his hands we see from his feet sorrow and love that flow mingled down. Did e'er such love and sorrow meet, or thorns composed so rich a crown, where the whole realm of nature mine, that were a present far too small. Love so amazing, love so divine, demands our soul, our life, our all. Go back to Jesus. This is what we're doing this morning as we worship him. This is what we do when we bow our knees to him in prayer. This is what we do when we open our word. This is what we do when we're in community with one another. It is us living out John 15 that says, apart from him, we can do nothing. So the pursuit of human forgiveness, the receiving of forgiveness, or the extending of forgiveness It is impossible in your own strength, in your own might. We need his empowerment. We need his wisdom for the next best steps as believers who have received his forgiveness to live this out actually in our own families, in our own workplaces, in our own lives. There's one who did that in a remarkable way. Many of you are familiar with the name Cory ten Boom. She's most famous for writing a bestseller by the name of The Hiding Place. And many of you know her story. And her story is that along with her sister, she was a prisoner in a Nazi concentration camp. And she was imprisoned for concealing Jewish refugees who had fled to her home of Holland. So she survived. Many of you know that her sister died under the cruel treatment. So Cory ten Boom, she is released And as she's released, she has, as a follower of Christ, this very unique testimony, as you can imagine. And she chooses to use this as this platform of the message of forgiveness. And so she writes and impacts the world. She speaks in churches, she speaks in conferences, and she becomes internationally known. She finds herself one day in a church in Munich where she's sharing the same message. On the front row, she notices this balding, heavyset man who she immediately recognizes as one of her prison guards in that very concentration camp that meant the end to her own sister. So she's sharing this message. When we confess our sins, God casts them into the deepest ocean, gone forever. Service ends There's this line of people that come for autographs. There's this line of people that come to meet her. There's this line of people that come to say what her message and what her life has meant to them personally. She sees in that receiving line her own captor, the prison guard. In that moment, these mental images just rush before her mind, and she can't help but to see the harsh overhead lights once again that were shining upon her for day and night and day and night and the piles of dresses and the piles of shoes that were in the center of the floor, the shame and the pain that she and her sister had to endure in the face of her sister. Floods her mind, her frail form, and the ribs that were sharp and protruding under that parchment skin of hers. This is what she sees as her captor is in line. He thrusts out his hand as he gets to her. And he says, fine message. How good is it to know that as you say, all of our sins are at the bottom of the sea. She realized in this moment that while she recognized him, he did not remember her. He said, you mentioned Ravensbrook in your talk. I was a guard in there, but since that time I have become a Christian and I know that God has forgiven me for the cruel things that I did there, but I need to ask, will you forgive me? Hear her words could not have been many seconds that he stood there, hand held out. But to me, it seemed hours as I wrestled with the most difficult thing I ever had to do. For I had to do it. I knew that. I knew it was a commandment of God. Still, I stood there with the coldness clutching my heart. But that forgiveness is not an emotion. I knew that too. Forgiveness is an act of the will. And the will can help me function regardless of the temperature of my heart. Jesus, help me. Jesus, help me. I prayed silently. I can lift my hand. I can do that much. You, God, supply the feeling. And so woodenly, she writes, mechanically, she writes, I thrust my hand into the one stretched out to me. And as I did, an incredible thing took place. The current started in my shoulder. It raced down my arm. It sprang into our joined hands. And then this healing warmth seemed to flood my whole being, bringing tears to my eyes. I forgive you, brother. I forgive you, brother, with all of my heart. We grasped each other's hands. Former guard former prisoner, I had never, she writes, known God's love so intensely as I did in that moment. I share this remarkable story not to say that this will be your story. I share this story not to tell you that this is a template a forgiveness encounters. It's actually very helpful to follow along with Corey Tim Boom when she continues to tell the story after this remarkable, rem- miraculous encounter. She talks with, with great candidness and honesty how she had a Christian friend of hers that had wronged her and how she harbored bitterness for years and years and years. And I'm really glad that Corey Tim Boom tells that part of the story. I'm really glad to hear that even with the miraculous gift that God gave her in this very moment as she looks face to face with this concentration camp guard and God gave her this miraculous gift, it was still difficult for her to forgive a friend. But I tell you this story to leave you with this note, to leave you with this theme. In the end, forgiving others and asking for forgiveness is always a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. It can only happen when we're truly captivated by His inexhaustible mercy and His inexhaustible grace. It, it church, it is always a gift of His mercy to us. And I I, I. I wish I could. I wish I could look out here. And know where everyone was on this journey. Where everyone is on this journey. And where everyone will be on this journey. But I don't know. There, there's some of you here that for the last three weeks, fourth week here, you said, this doesn't have a single thing to do with me. And there's, there are others of you who feel like you cannot breathe in this moment. This has everything to do with you. There are a lot of us that are sort of in this middle, the pendulum, not thinking about it and thinking about it and not thinking about it and thinking about it. I'm here to tell you that we all have drawers. We all know what it is to store away unforgiveness and bitterness. And I want you to hear it is possible that no matter where you are on the journey, that there is fuel to move you forward. There is fuel in his grace that empowers you to say these words, I was wrong with what I did. I was wrong with what I said. I sinned against you when I did it. Will you forgive me? And there is grace for the journey for you to be able to say these words that maybe are even harder, I will forgive you. There's grace for the journey to have these kinds of sincere, honest, clear conversations and it's always God's work in us. It's always God's work through us. I mean, is it a costly journey? The answer is, of course, yes. Is it easy? The answer is, no, it's not easy. But is there anything in your life that really value, is really valuable to you that is actually easy? It's not easy, but it is possible through the grace of God. And it is one way, church. It's not the only way, but it is one way that our family, it is one way that our friends, it is one way that our co-workers see God at work in you and they see God work in me. This is who we are. It is our inheritance. A forgiving people are called to be a forgiving people. Let us pray. Thank you for joining us today. To learn more about our family of faith or to learn how to become a follower of Jesus, please visit dawsonchurch.org. Until next time, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all.